Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Thank you for listening to the Meritage Resort Podcast, coming to you from the beautiful Napa Valley. Season one, the Chardonnay Classic. And now your host, Ben Lazzarini. Take it, Ben. Welcome to the Meritage Resort Podcast. You're listening to episode six of the Chardonnay Classic Series. I am your host, Ben Lazzarini. On today's show, we're going to give you a glimpse of some of the wines that I personally am looking forward to trying over the course of the weekend. As you know, there's going to be hundreds of wines featured throughout the two and a half days of the Chardonnay Classic. And having gone through the Chardonnay Classic in its inaugural year, I wanted to share with you some of the things that I'm going to be looking forward to trying to give you essentially a cheat sheet of some of my favorites to look out for during the experience. So before we dive into that list of highlights, I want to quickly recap the episodes thus far for first-time listeners. During our first episode, we talked about the general overview of the Chardonnay Classic and what the weekend entails. In episode two, we interviewed Master Sommiers Thomas Price and Jay Fletcher and talked to them about the Somme Foundation, the nonprofit that's benefiting from this event. In episode three, we spoke with the chefs who are going to be leading all the culinary experiences throughout the weekend. Episode four, we dive into the amenities of the resort and what guests have looked forward to from an accommodation standpoint. And in episode five, we interviewed two of the producers that are going to be featured pretty extensively throughout the weekend in Costa Brown and Catena Zapata. So check those episodes out if those subjects are of interest. And with that, let's get into my wines to look forward to this year. So I'm going to run through these in chronological order as they're going to be presented throughout the weekend. And when I was preparing this list, I, you know, again, hundreds of wines to choose from, and we only have 15, 20 minutes really here to talk about these. So I had to pick and choose carefully and very selectively. And I only picked wines from four of the experiences, given the fact that we've already gone into pretty good detail on some of the private lunches and the dinners, and we've already talked about the grand tasting. So the wines that I picked out are all going to be part of the panel tastings and the behind the bottle tasting on Friday night. So it's, again, I'm going to reveal these in chronological order, starting with Around the World, which takes place on Friday. And then we're going to conclude with some of my highlights for the classics tasting that happens on Sunday. Okay, so let's let's kick off with a few highlights from the Around the World. And the first wine that I'm going to talk about, we actually got to try a different vintage of this wine during the first year of the Chardonnay Classic, and it's the 2019 Gaia Rossi Bass Chardonnay. And this was the first time I'd ever had a Gaia Chardonnay, and it was incredible. It balanced this rich, creamy texture with incredibly refreshing acidity and it held it all together beautifully well and gaia as some of you may know is an icon for producing barolo and barbaresco wines that are in northern italy and piedmont region but they also make a lot of wines that span down the um range of the country so one of the wines that they make is this particular chardonnay i think they make two different chardonnays and again, this is the Rossi Bass that we're talking about. And what makes it so unique 
And I think what's driving that amazing um, composition of having rich, rich, creamy texture, but also being still incredibly, you know, zippy on the palate with refreshing acid is their fermentation process. So this wine is fermented in stainless steel tanks, and that's going to give it you know, a little bit more of that crispness and it really comes across. And the other thing that's unique about this wine is it's 95% Chardonnay, but it also has 5% Sauvignon Blanc. And that might not sound like a lot or like it's really going to impact the wine. From what I recall, when we tried the 2018 last year, that Sauvignon Blanc really was pronounced on the aromatics. It gave it this really refreshing, cool herbal edge that wasn't, you know, overly herbaceous it wasn't going into that green territory that you get on sauvignon blanc sometimes it was just a stunning cool herbal edge that really was pronounced on the aromas so can't wait to try the 2019 it's going to be one of the wines at the around the world tasting and another one that i wanted to talk about was a wine that i got to try last year as well different vintage um, but this is also coming from Italy. It's going to be a little bit more south. So this is coming just around the Tuscan region. The actual region it's it's being produced in is called Umbria. And this is the Antonori Servaro della Sala. So the vintage that we're going to try this year is the 2019. I got to try the 2017 last year. And I think it's going to make a really fun duo of Italian Chardonnays that are stylistically quite different. Um, and I think, again, what's driving that is the decisions that they're making with the fermentation and the maturation process, right? So as previously mentioned, the guy is going to be using stainless steel. That wine's not seeing any new oak, but with the Sorvaro della Sala, it goes through malolactic fermentation, uh, which as I'm sure many of you know, creates a little bit more of a buttery component, uh, converting that acid into a malolactic acid. And it gives it again, a really creamy texture. And this also is going to be aged in wood. So it's going to take on some of those toast characteristics, that vanilla that is going to be coming from those barrels. But with that, it's still going to have some incredible elegance to it, despite going through malolactic fermentation and also being aged in, in wood barrels. So um, on the palate, it's a really generous wine, um, but it's also very refined and structured, right? So the winery makes it very obvious that this is this is a chardonnay that can age very well um, but it's also going to taste fantastic upon release and just some fun facts about this wine for those who aren't aware antinori has i think they're one of the longest running wine producers in the world uh it's if i'm not mistaken it's hundreds and hundreds of years that they've been making wines the first vintage of this particular chardonnay was produced in 1985 and it was also one of the first italian white wines to actually go through malolactic fermentation so it's a pretty special wine it's coming again from the Tuscan border, but in the actual Umbria region. And it's grown at a vineyard where there is a medieval castle. So it's a pretty incredible uh, terroir to begin with. And they do an incredible job. And last year, this wine was one of the ones that really left an impression on me when I got to try it. So I can't wait to see what the 2019 holds for us. And I think it's going to be, again, a really fun contrast to the Gaia. Um, whereas I don't know how the Gaia has such a creamy texture, how they're doing that. Um, whereas I can kind of pick it out more overtly with the Antonori because of the fermentation process and the maturation process. Um, but both of them are going to be just lights out. I'm sure but they're going to be stylistically very different, both coming from Italy, 
two different regions, two different wine styles, should be a lot of fun to try them. And they're both the same vintage. So it's going to be a really, really cool kind of apples and oranges comparison as far as stylistic decisions um, with somewhat similar terroir. And the third wine that I'm really looking forward to trying that's part of the Around the World is the 2017, the Westhoff Bachelor Chardonnay. And uh, <laughs> actually, one thing I didn't mention about the Gaia is that the bottle has pheasants on the uh, label art. And the Bachelor also has an avian theme. It's actually named after South, a or, excuse me, South Africa's majestic bird of prey. And uh, so it's one of the eagles in South Africa. So it's kind of interesting that two of these Chardonnays, the three that I'm talking about, have a bird theme to them. But anyways, what's really cool about this wine is, again, speaking to the site, it's grown on gravel soils, um, really from mountain rock rich in limestone and clay. And those have really high pHs, which are uh, acidity levels. And it's going to essentially allow them to make a Chardonnay that has tons of elegance and a lot of minerality to it. So I think stylistically, this one's going to be very, very refreshing, but it's also going to be just kind of drenched in minerals is what I'm expecting. I've never actually tried a wine from this producer, but South Africa, I've been so impressed with some of the wines coming out of South Africa. There's, it's, it's such a vast winemaking region. There's so many different types of soil there and so many different types of varietals. And it's just always fun to try something. And I think that frankly, South African wines just don't really get enough focus in our domestic market. So I can't wait to try this one. And it's going to be again, the 2017. So it's going to have a little bit of bottle time, which if it is as, you know, mineral drenched as I think it's probably going to allow the wine to be a little bit more harmonious and expressive at this stage in the game versus something that was just released like a 2019 or a 2020. So I think we're going to be catching this at a really good spot and I can't wait to try it. All right, moving on to the next experience where I picked out a few gems to look forward to. That's going to be the Friday night tasting called the Behind the Bottle. And as we've talked about before on some previous episodes in the podcast, I mean, every single wine in this flight is truly remarkable. And you're going to look for every, every one of them you have to look forward to, really. But just picking out my personal favorites, there are a few that really stood out to me that I wanted to share with you. So the first one is going to be a 2004 Chateau du Cru Bocaio. And this is a wine coming from the left bank in Bordeaux. And I've been lucky enough to have it on a few occasions. One of them was in 1980s. I can't remember the exact vintage. It might've been 83 or 86. And the other one I got to try was in 05. And I think I might have another had another occasion where I got to try another vintage. I just can't recall it. But I recently had the 05 and it was absolutely incredible. I mean, this thing is exactly what you'd expect from Left Bank. It is incredibly complex. I think at this stage in the game, 04 having you know 10 plus a decade's worth of time in the in the cellar it's going to be very expressive and it's going to be a really good drinking window and i think it's going to be just so representative of what you'd expect from incredible quality bordeaux that is at a, an approachable um, drinking window right now so can't wait to try the 2004 i think it's probably going to be a pretty elegant expression 
of Bordeaux. Um, it doesn't, you know, the, the, the previous iterations did have gorgeous fruit to them, but they were all so balanced by minerality and refreshing acidity. So again, I, I can't wait to try this 2004. Another one, uh, this is a wine I've never had a chance to try. So I'm very excited to try it because it is somewhat of a legend for the region. It's probably one of the most iconic coat rotis out there. And it's going to be the 2000 Iguigal La Turque. So for those who don't know, Gigal makes three La La wines. They have the Landon, they have the La Moulin, and then they have the La Turque. And those are all different vineyards within Cote Roti. So Cote Roti is in the Rhone region. And what makes Cote Roti special is that it, it's you know, primarily Syrah, but they also co-ferment Viognier, which is a white grape, when they're doing the fermentation uh, within this region. So it gives these wines just screaming aromatics for those who don't know Vignet is a very aromatically strong grape variety and when you couple that with Syrah it just makes a really really interesting and um, unique expression of Syrah and this is one of the best ones you can find out there so again this one is you know two decades worth of cellar time and that's one of the things about these wines is that if you were to open uh, any of the La La wines with, you know, two, three years of bottle age on them, it's not really going to be doing it justice. The wine hasn't had time to really meld together and be expressive. And um, this one should be doing that. So this is going to be an exceptional example of Cote For anyone who likes Syrah, this is a must try. And one more wine, since we're in the Rhone region, which is in France, just north of Cote Roti is the hill of Hermitage. And we're going to be fortunate enough to, in this tasting, try a wine from there. And it's going to be the 1999 Chapoutier La Pavillon. And this is a single section on that hill within that um, AOC. So the hill of Hermitage is its own AOC, its own designated region of wine growing and it produces some of the most compelling Syrah in the world. So this is going to be, it might not be as um, svelte, I guess, or suave perhaps uh, texturally as the Cote Roti is going to be, uh, because again, this isn't going to have that Viognier component in it. So the Aramax is going to be slightly different, but this is going to be one of the finest expressions of Syrah that you're probably going to be able to try. So um, legendary wine, a legendary producer, and we're going to be having the 1999 of it. So it's going to be very powerful. It's probably going to have a lot of game and um, pepper notes on the nose. And the palate's going to be probably full, just brimming with minerality, but still having really amazing fruit as well. So, and I'm assuming at this point, it being a 99, the tannins are going to be really, really well integrated. One of the things about Hermitage is that um, some of the wines can have just incredibly strong tannins. And again, you know, they can last 30 to 40 years in the cellar. And as they sit in the cellar, those tannins are going to be integrating more. So the wine becomes a little bit more supple and approachable. So this is, should be in a really, really good spot, even though it's 20, I guess it'll be 23 years old. Like I said, some of these wines can age for decades. So it, this is actually probably in a fantastic drinking window. And another wine that I have not tried that caught my eye that's going to be part of this flight is a ZD Abacus. This is going to be the 23rd rendition of this wine. And what makes this wine so unique is that, so ZD, for those who don't know, is, is, is a producer out of Napa. And they make really, really good Cabernet Sauvignon. 
And I can't recall when they started this program, but the Abacus is a multi-vintage blend of all of their reserve Cabernets. So this wine, the 23rd edition, it has upwards of 20 plus years of Cabernet, reserve Cabernet from ZD, and they mix it uh, together. And it's essentially this, you know, Solera style where they're taking, again, a vintage from a barrel and then mixing it together with other vintages from other barrels that are at the winery. And it's going to produce, I'm, I'm guessing, an incredibly singular expression of Napa Cab, for which I, I really have no idea what to benchmark it to because it's just such a unique way of making this wine. And the fact that it's coming from 20 plus different vintages, I mean, who knows what it's going to taste like. I'm, I'm guessing just tremendous complexity and if, again, unlike anything else as far as what's being produced in Napa. So can't wait to try that. And then moving on... Another set of wines that I would like to, you know, shine the light on here for you to look forward to are going to be a couple from the retrospective that's going to be taking place on Saturday. So there's going to be two wines that we're lucky enough to try from Chateau Montalena, and they're going to be a 2008 and a 2014 Chateau Montalena Chardonnay. So for those who don't know, Montalena played a very significant role in putting California Chardonnay on the map. Back in 1976, uh, their Chardonnay won the Judgment of Paris. It was in 1973, and that was a tasting where there were wine critics in Europe who tasted some of the benchmarks from Burgundy and Bordeaux, and they were tasting in, in comparison to Chardonnays from California and also Cabernets from California, and the Montalena won. So it was a pivotal moment in what can be achieved from California with this varietal. So it's, and the other thing about it is that they have a reputation for aging quite well in the cellar. So 2008 and 2014, again, like all the other wines we've been talking about, they should be in a fantastic drinking window. And it, it is unusual to drink Chardonnay with that much time in the cellar, but this is a wine that's built to be able to actually develop complexity in the cellar and really hold itself together over that time so it's going to be fun to try these we're also going to be having them from magnums so large format which do age a little bit more gracefully than a standard 750 milliliter bottle so it should be a complete treat to be able to taste these Let's talk about a couple wines that are going to be featured at the Sunday's Classics Tasting. So one of them is the 2019 Sea Smoke Chardonnay. So Sea Smoke is known for being essentially a cult producer of fantastic Pinot Noir from the central coast of California. And what I mean by cult producer is that they're in a situation where they're market demand essentially exceeds their production. So in order to get sea smoke, you have to put your name on a list. You wait a little bit. It's very similar to Costa Brown. And then after a couple of years, you get to buy one of their Pinot Noirs. And they also produce Chardonnay. I've never actually had a chance to try the Chardonnay. I have had their Pinot. It was exceptional. And the reason why they're called sea smoke is because there's an evening fog that winds its way through the San Ynez River Canyon. Um, and it looks like tendrils of smoke. This is how they describe it. And it drapes over the hillsides. So what that does is it provides this incredible cooling effect to the grapes. 
that helps them retain acidity and brightness. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that this Chardonnay is going to have that brightness, that expression of that sight, uh, in spades, like I said, and I can't wait to try it. I've never, I've never had it and we're going to be able to enjoy the 2019. So it's, it's going to be a incredible wine, I'm sure. And lastly, another one that I want to talk about is the Tourelles Old Vine Chardonnay. So this is also within that same flight. And this wine is coming from Australia. And according to the producer, this is believed to be the oldest Chardonnay vineyard in the world, right? That is just absolutely crazy. The winery was established in 1858 by an English immigrant, Edward Tourell. And, you know, flash forward to today, they're one of the icons of Australia and they produce several different wines, but this is probably one of the most precious wines that they produce. So uh, the wine is basket press, it's fermented in stainless steel, and then it's aged for eight months in older French barrique uh, with Lee's contact. Right. And with that, those are the wines that I am personally looking forward to. Again, this is going to be an extravaganza of Chardonnay, two and a half days, hundreds of wines. Based on what I tasted last year, I know that some of these wines are probably going to be just a home run on my palate, but it's very important to keep in mind that, again, this is an adventure for you to enjoy. So, just because I listed off some of these wines that I think I'm personally going to be wowed by doesn't mean that there aren't going to be several others that are going to do the same for you that may not be the wines that I listed. So uh, go into the weekend with an open mind. There's going to be, again, hundreds of wines to try. Surely by the end of the weekend, with all the different examples of Chardonnay that you've had, you're probably going to come away with a really good understanding of the wines that really sing to you. That's my advice. Be an open book. Soak up as much as you can about the nuances of Chardonnay. And I think by the end of the weekend, you're going to have your own list of gems that you're going to be savoring uh, with some unforgettable memories. So if you're looking to buy tickets, visit the chardonnayclassic.com. It will direct you to the ticketing site. If you have any question, questions, send them in to podcast at meritageresort.com. With that, I'm your host, Ben Lazzarini, and I will see you this month at the Chardonnay Classic. <laughs>